Amen. So James 2, 1 through 9, we read, and here is verse 8 and 9. It's where I want to focus. If you really, if y'all, if you all really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the royal law. You are doing well, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. I just want to proclaim good news over our community, over the people gathered here today, that, that God holds no prejudice. And he is healing us, healing us of our prejudice so we can walk in love toward all people, refusing to other one another. That's what God's spirit is doing in the world. And that's what God's spirit is doing in us. The God who is not partial. He's not partial towards you. He's not prejudiced towards us. He meets us in unconditional love. He's also healing us of our prejudice and our partiality. And he's enabling, empowering us to love, to meet one another, to meet stranger as neighbor, to love one another and to refuse to other one another. I was in Starbucks in Waco, Texas, about three or four years ago when I was studying there, and I uh, would spend a lot of time in Starbucks, and it was a Saturday, and it was a time when Baylor football was like number five in the country, and it was the first year that they were doing um, the playoff system, so the top four teams got to be in the playoffs and Baylor was undefeated. They were crushing teams. And so was another team in Texas right up the road. TCU stands for Texas Christian University. But we don't even think they're really Christians, right? It's just one of those, you know, in name only kind of schools. I did not care about football, but I was caught up in like the, this was exciting, undefeated, top five, I was studying, there was a game that day, and in walks, into the Starbucks, these people with purple shirts, I've got a picture, these horny toads on their shirts. Yeah, look at that. And in my heart, I'm not kidding you, like I remember this, it stuck with me. I felt like anger, I felt like animosity, I made assumption, like, these people are jerks. They're stuck up. They're not, you know, TCU, like, right. Like, we're, and I felt this animosity towards these people that I did not know, these fellow human beings. And in that, in that moment, reflecting on that moment, I realized if in a matter of months being at Baylor and, and um, just hearing things about TCU and being excited about, you know, Baylor football, a game, I can, like, animosity can rise up in my heart towards people I don't know because of stupid football game. I am not surprised at all at where our world is. After generations of generations of stories being told about the other and about why we don't like them and why they're not like us and why they are the enemy. And it it, it showed me that prejudice is real and it 
can rise up in our hearts so quickly and so powerfully and so dangerously. Like I legitimately had animosity towards these people. And so we are talking this month about prejudice. And I don't know if you can relate to this experience that I just shared with you. Prejudice speaks to that automatic response that we can have towards someone based on nothing but their appearance or their outward circumstance. It's prejudging someone or a group of people without knowing the actual person or the people that is before you. It's making assumptions. It's that feeling of fear that rises up when you see them coming towards you or animosity or anger or anxiety. Now, there's a difference between discrimination and prejudice. Prejudice lives in the heart and in the mind. Discrimination lives in the body. Prejudice is the seed of discrimination. Discrimination is acting out on your prejudice. But prejudice, you can be prejudiced without discrimination, although they usually follow hand in hand. Prejudice is a seed of discrimination which can embed and deeply and, and, and can lead to deeply harmful practices of individuals and of societies like slavery, like Jim Crow, like Holocaust, like um, genocide, apartheid, like shootings, like fistfights, and all kinds of other things. But I want to proclaim this good news, right? That God is a God without one ounce of prejudice in his being. And he, by his spirit, is making us a people he, that is being healed of our prejudice. And he is enabling us to walk toward other people in love rather than prejudice. Empowering us to refuse refuse to other one another. So James, this is one of the most famous passages that talks directly to partiality, kind of discrimination. Um, but it, 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 this word in the, the Greek, I won't even try to, this is a really long word. I'll try it. Prosopolapseia is the word in the King James, it's, uh, it's respect of persons. You are not to res have respect of persons. The, the EC ESV translates it, as we see, as partiality. Um, other translations uh, say, oh, what do they say? I'm blanking. Anyways, they say other stuff. So they have partiality. You're not to show partiality. I blanked. We just talked about it. Do you remember? What is it? Okay. Okay. Thank Espanol? Uh, Espanol, no? Okay. All right. Favoritism. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Blanca. Gracias. So, um, and this, this word shows up other places in scripture. The other three places it shows up is referring to how God is not like this. God does not show partiality. God does not show favoritism. God does, is not a respecter of persons in this way. So the sin of prejudice 
This word is, is, is um, judging someone on the outside appearance or circumstances with regard, without regard to the inward merit or character, their inward person. So in other words, the sin of prejudice is a sin that makes assumptions about the who of a person according to the what you see or makes assumptions about the character of a person based on their outward appearance or experience. So here's some examples of commonly held prejudice, all right? Um, Someone who has a Southern accent is often seen as uneducated. Someone with a British accent is automatically often perceived as being more intelligent, right? Don't act like you don't know. Come on. <laughs> Someone, oh, we, we can have prejudice against the way people are dressed. We can have prejudice against the way people like tattoo their bodies, right? And we make different assumptions based upon placement of those tattoos and the kinds of tattoos that are there. We can um, have prejudice uh, concerning someone's color of skin, uh, the kind of job someone has. Uh, or even certain behaviors that we perceive to be offensive, crude, or gross. Uh, an example, I heard, I uh, was reading a story of some aid workers that moved from the West to, I can't remember which country this was. They, they moved there to do some development work. And right off the plane, they noticed that people in this place would blow their nose directly onto the ground. All right. And like everyone was doing this, just like blowing their nose and glops of snot hitting the ground all around. Right. And this is a whole whole people doing the sidewalk everywhere, inside, outside. And and he was just disgusted. And he's like, what is happening? This is crazy. And he kept this in for three or four years, like not understanding it, really like offended by it, thinking this is gross. Until one day he got the courage to like mention it to the people that he's now developed relationship with. He's like, what is, what's the deal with this? Like, it it seems pretty gross. And they're like, really? We've been thinking it's gross that you take a tissue and blow your snot into a tissue and then put it in your pocket. Like, why would you want that nastiness in your pocket seeping through the Kleenex into your pants? We know it leaks like it's all over your hands. Like why? And so see the difference of perspective, the prejudice, the, the assumptions that are being made about someone's character by their behavior, by the external, without seeing what's going on on the inside. So we have prejudice. All of us have prejudice. And, and God, like I said, consistently does not do this. So some verses, uh, Romans 2.11, God does not show favoritism. Ephesians 6.9, Colossians 3.25. These are some uh, where it just comes straight out and says, look, God does not show favoritism. Now, God's heart, we, we believe, is most clearly revealed by Jesus Christ. Like God is most clearly seen in the person of Jesus. And we see that Jesus reveals God's heart so well in this regard. Like Jesus meets people without partiality. He meets people Um, exactly where they are, refusing to allow a person to be defined by anything but his absolute love for them. And his love sees each person, and this goes for each of you, each of us. His love sees each person 
as a child of the living God, full of dignity and worth, made and created to be, to be this beautiful representation of the image of God. Like you are an image bearer. And I want to say, I said this last week, I feel like I should just say it every week. The truest thing about you is that you are absolutely, unconditionally loved by God. Like that's the truest thing about you. Sometimes we want to say the truest thing about you is that you're a sinner. I don't actually believe that anymore. I used to. The truest thing is that you are absolutely cherished and loved by God. That's the truest thing about you. And because of that, God went all the way to the cross to deal with the sin thing. But your, your sin does not define you. Your, your, you. The fact that you are made in the image of God, uniquely knit together in your mother's womb by the hand of God to be cherished and to be loved and to grow into who God has made you to be. That's the truest thing about every person. And so that's why prejudice is so destructive because to make an assumption about someone is to mar and destroy the image of God in that person. It's to, it's to treat this person less than God treats and, and views them. So Jesus refuses to do this. I, think, I thought of a funny kind of example of this. I think every interaction with Jesus about with Jesus with people shows that he's not partial. But I just think of the, the, the blind man at the gate. And he's crying out, son of God, have mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And his friends are like, shut up, shut up. And he's like, no. And he's just crying out to Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, why don't you come over here? And his friends are like, dude, dude, he's calling you. He's calling you. What? And so he kind of gets up and he's blind and he stumbles towards Jesus. It's got to be obvious that he's blind, right? Everyone knows he's blind. And what does Jesus say to him? He asks him a question. What, what do you want me to do for you? Are you, I mean, I almost said, are you stupid, Jesus? No, I, that, I did say that. Are, no, he's not stupid, but he's, he's not making assumptions. <laughs> he's saying, what do you want from me? I don't assume you want to be healed of your blindness. What do you want from me? I'm meeting you right here, and I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity to express your desire, to express what you want. I'm, I'm empowering you. I'm giving you dignity as a person. I'm not, I'm not defining you by your behavior. I'm not defining you by your condition or your illness or your past. And he does the same with a Samaritan woman at the well, with women in general, with people experiencing leprosy, all the people ostracized, all the people that the culture has trained Jesus all the way up to his 30 years to have prejudice against. He cuts through that and he sees the person. That's what he's doing with us. And so I think I've made it clear, I hope, case that we're not to be prejudiced, right? And that God is not prejudiced. Now, I think it's a little more difficult to actually, like, respond to that. It's difficult to not be prejudiced because prejudice lives often in our subconscious. It lives, like, nefariously and seditiously beneath the waterline of our awareness. Um, And it only reveals itself kind of an an automatic response to the person that's in front of us. I often don't know I'm prejudiced 
or I have prejudice towards someone until my body responds in fear or worry or anxiety or judgment, right? And so it's like an automatic response. It's coming from the subconscious. Our body, our eyes have been trained to view this certain person a certain way. So I think it's helpful then to just real quick, I'm almost done, but it's helpful to look at how prejudice is formed. And there's lots of theories, but here's some uh, points of agreement that uh, researchers and psychologists, sociologists kind of recognize. Um, prejudice begins to be formed just because it's human nature to categorize um, and to kind of generalize. Like it's the way we can make sense of the world, right? There's, there's, there's predators and there's praise. There's, like, we can eat vegetables, but we want to stay away from tigers. You know, things with like we have to make these generalizations um, uh, to survive. And so we make we. It starts with categorizing people to make sense of the world, but then it moves from categorizing to identi identity formation. Right? We need to start making sense of ourselves in relationship to the other things we're categorizing. What category do I fit into? And how? Who am I? And who am I not? And so our social environment, our family, our culture of origin, all teaches us the message as we grow up uh, through uh, the news, through cartoons, through uh, dinner table conversations through church, through all of the messages, all the unspoken and spoken messages we receive begin to give us our identity and tell us, who am I? Who are we? And who am I not? This is how we act. This is how we behave. This is how we dress. This is what we value. And this is what they value. And we start to make distinctions. And then once we formed our identity, we then begin to move to comparison. It's a natural human thing. Um, and, and we started to compare, okay, this is, this is us and that's them. Let's compare. And throw this with human nature. Human nature uh, strives to feel good about ourselves. We want self-esteem. And so, and we have pride. And so how am I better? How is my group better? than they are. Add that onto our competition for resources. There's scarce resources, at least we feel there's scarcity. So we have to compete for resources. And so then this other becomes my enemy or my competition for resource, for affection, for prestige, for power, for land, whatever it is. And so there we go, right? Um, and so our, our societies, our families, our human nature conditions us to demonize the other and to prop up ourselves. And we are the good guys and they're the bad guys. But they're, the bad guys are thinking that we're the bad guys and they're the good guys. And it's all the stories that they're telling themselves about what is true. So this is, seems pretty hopeless, all right? Like I said, uh, prejudice is something that like just is an automatic response, like, it lives in us. It's the water we swim in. We've grown up with it. Sometimes we're not even aware of half the prejudice we have. But there is hope. There is hope. God, like I've said, is in the transforming and healing business. Like that's what he's about. 
And the spirit of God has access to our spirits, to the innermost depths of our heart. Isn't that a beautiful, powerful truth? Like God gets to the places that we're not even aware of. God is healing the places that we don't even know need healing. God is doing vision correction and prejudice correction. And he's exchanging our prejudice for his love. So God will and is doing this. His desire is to give us the mind of Christ rather than the mind of our culture. He's giving us the mind of Christ rather than the, the mind of our experience or of our rather than the mind of our need to protect ourselves and keep for ourselves. So as we are faithful to name our prejudice, to confess it, and to submit it to the Lord, he will be faithful to heal it. And so just the last thing here, I want, God wants to, and is at work healing our prejudice, but he also invites us into the work of healing. Like we talked about last week, right? Remember your plot of ground? Have you been praying over your prayer plant, your plot of ground? Um, We've got to cultivate the ground. God causes the growth, but he invites us to cultivate, to weed, to do the work. And so here's how we can cooperate with the healing spirit of Jesus at work in us in regards to our prejudice. And I do have a slide for this, Carolyn, if you don't mind putting it up. (coughs) First, we need, so this is responding to good news, right? We don't just have good news live in our heads, but we respond to good news with our bodies. And here's how we can respond to good news with our bodies. And as we do, the spirit of God heals us. First, we need to name it. We need to be willing to name our prejudice. People may say, I have no prejudice. And I say, you're a liar. All right. We need to name it. We need to name it. And that takes courage because there's a lot of shame that comes up. Like when we, we name that, we can feel shame, um, but we need to name and own the fact that we are prejudiced. It's just a human condition. The next thing we need to do is externalize it. The biblical word for externalize is confess. We need to speak it out loud. We don't just need to think about, oh, I'm prejudiced. We need to confess it, speak it, externalize it. We need to speak it and name it in God's presence. We need to say it to God. I am prejudiced against this person, this group of people. And we need to confess it to one another. We need to name it to one another. Say it out loud to one another. Own it. And then the third is we need to submit it to the Lord. Because we can't. Like I said, it's an automatic response. It lives uh, seditiously under the surface. And so we just need to name it when we notice it without condemnation, without you know self-condemnation. We just need to say, God, there I am. I, here's prejudice, it's creeped up. Thank you for showing it to me. I submit it to you. And then let me say, move toward the person or the group of people that you had that prejudice toward. Move toward them. Seek to understand. Be curious. Why? Tell me more about blowing snot onto the, directly onto the ground. Like, tell me more about that. I'm curious. Let's, let's, let's move toward and get to know the people that we hold prejudice, that we make assumptions about. 
God holds no prejudice and he is healing us of our prejudice so we can walk in love toward all people and refuse to other one another. And this is how God is healing the world through his people who are empowered by the spirit to be healed of our prejudice. So let's, um, uh, Andy has a song that he's going to sing. And I just want it to be an opportunity. Maybe that there's a prejudice that comes to mind. Let me tell you, you have prejudice that you're not aware of, and you have prejudice that you are aware of. And um, maybe some of the prejudice that you are aware of has started to rise to the surface. Would you just allow this song to invite you into confession and repentance uh, as we uh, respond? Mm -hmm.